my little house of prayer. I am your host, Ayla Smith. I am so glad that you could join me today. Today we are looking at Ephesians 6:12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is part of a series looking at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The title of the message is Knowing Where the Battle Really Lies. Why does the Lord want us to look at this in detail? Because this world is going to wax worse and worse. That the things of this world will become worse, not better. We have to know what the battle is about. We have to know how our enemy, Satan and his cohorts, walk, talk, and think. We desperately need to know whom we are and whom we belong. 1 John 4.4 You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Our battle is explained right here in this verse. Why? So that we could understand that our battle is not with people. It is with the enemy behind the scenes the one who is manipulating that person or persons. I find 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, puts everything into proper perspective. The battle is about the name of the Lord. Whose name will we bow down to? Who is Lord over our life? Our decision making. One of his favorite tools is to stay between people. This is why I can say one thing and you hear something totally different. I've seen him do it so many times in my own life. This is why we have to live a life of prayer. One of the scriptures I apply in my life and prayer time is Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Last year, the enemy thought that he would start planning thoughts that weren't of God. I fought for a couple of days asking the Lord for help. That's when he told me how to fight. I applied 2 Corinthians 10.5 to bind him up and kick him out of my mind. Then I added to my morning prayer time Philippians 4.8 that with the help of the Lord I will think only on these things. You see, the enemy wants our mind, the head. If he can weave his will in our thoughts, he's won and we're stuck living a defeated lifestyle till we get our minds right. This goes for the ordained head of the household, the husband. But this is another lesson. You see, this is why you must read the Bible. You can't fight the enemy on his turf. We are no match for him in the arm of our flesh. You have to bring the battle to the Lord where it already began. You have to know the scriptures inside and out. They are life to you. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
Hebrews 4.12. For the word of the God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In Matthew 4.1.11, Jesus was led into the wilderness to show us how to fight and get the victory the Israelites did not get when the Lord led them to the wilderness. Go and read about it for yourself. This is some powerful stuff. Can't wait to have this discussion. Hallelujah. His words are unfathomable. Jesus led by example that we can all fulfill the law and the prophets. So our battle is really about the name of the Lord. Our battle is not against one another. With this being said, we now know that we are to see each other as the Lord sees us, so that we can handle one another with care, the care of the Lord. Follow his leading, and then we are able to show the love of Christ. Ephesians 3:17 through 19 That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. When we do allow the Holy Spirit to work within us towards others, the Lord will begin to give you discernment. In the beginning of my walk, I had a lot of trouble showing the love of Christ towards others. I was blessed with a group of sisters who loved me unconditionally for years. I held a picture of all four of us in my Bible on this scripture, asking the Lord to help me in my love walk. I still am. Discernment is God's call to intercession. He allows us to see stuff in one another. This is not the time to point the finger and judge. You have to judge righteously, and only God can do that. Matthew 7, 1 through 4. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. In other words, we better check ourselves first before we address someone else. You can't take someone where you haven't been. And Satan and his cohorts are legalists. They know the laws of God inside and out. So when we try to address someone in the arm of our flesh, they know this gives them a legal right to stay and trip you up. This never ends well. Romans 3, 10-31 As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. 
and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. In other words, in our walk, before we walked, began walking with Christ, we were not righteous. We were full of sin. And he's calling out all the different sins. But hold on to your britches. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You see that? The law shows you our, your sin. Those places you need to repent of. It's our rule of thumb to walk this walk with Christ. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and that the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus where is boasting then? It is excluded. In other words, you ain't got a foot to stand on in, in and of yourself. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. He just said right there, nope, we don't throw out the law. It's our rule of thumb. Let's look at John 11, 1 through 44. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go on into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? The disciples are reminding Jesus that if he goes back to see about Lazarus, more than likely those that hate him are waiting there to kill him. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? 
If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of his sleep. In other words, he's telling the disciples, We still going, guys. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Albeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. In other words, if he is asleep, everything's fine, Lord. No need to risk your life now. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. In other words, guys, he's walking into a minefield, but you know what? Let's go with him. If he's going to die, we're going to die with him. So much hope. <laughs> so much faith in that statement. Then Jesus came. He found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast seen here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Mary thought that he was talking about the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she had heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. He loved Lazarus, so he still had emotions. Just because he was the Christ didn't mean he, he wasn't in man form also. And he loved Lazarus, so therefore he wept. Did his faith leave him? No. 
Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. You see, right here, Jesus is giving us a picture of what we look like without him. We are dead in sin, walking around in grave clothes like Lazarus. We need our brothers and sisters to quit gawking at our sin and help us out of our grave clothes. The first step is ministering salvation to a lost soul. Quit looking at the symptoms and treat the problem, the sin problem. In verse 44, he had to tell them to remove his grave clothes. He was bound hand and foot. His head was bound up. In other words, he needed his family and friends to help him have a walk with the Lord. They had to pull back the layers of death that had him bound, one layer at a time. 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things have fervent charity, or love, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Romans 6, 1-11, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, 
Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me introduce you to him. It is real simple. First, you must acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Ask him for his forgiveness for all of your sins and call them out to him. Thank him for his forgiveness and forgive those who have sinned or transgressed against you. Then repent. Repent means to change your mind concerning sinful habits. Change your choice making. Let him influence your choice making decisions as you get in his holy word. Ask him to be Lord over your life because this is where the battle lies. This is your first victory. I want to pray this prayer with you, but this is just another outline. The real work begins after I pray with you. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving my, me and answering my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Let me know of your decision. I want to rejoice with you and pray for you. I am so very glad that you could join me today. I hope that this message spoke to you, and may you have a blessed week.